Welcome back to the Trevor Tysman Show. Today's episode, I am going to dig into a walkthrough for the Speed 101 training program that you get with a set of K-Bands. There are hundreds and hundreds of athletes utilizing this program every single day, and I get question after question in the inbox on specific uh, ins and outs of how to do the workout, how to set it up for younger individuals. So I'm going to walk through the program and make sure that when you leave this video, you have a good idea on how to train during the Speed 101 no matter what age you are, and how you can make some adjustments to become a little bit better at it. So what is Speed 101? It is going to be a training program that you utilize for a five to six week interval and then take a little bit of time off, whether it be a week or two weeks, and then you can repeat or move on to a more advanced training program. I'll give you that suggestion as we move on. But one of the first questions that I always get I've got a set of K-bands. My child is, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. Is Speed 101 going to be too advanced? And I would say absolutely not. When I dig into the reps and sets, the biggest advice I give any parent is as long as your child is good at understanding reps and sets and staying motivated, moving through a workout, the key is to not burn them out and keep them motivated through it. And how you can do that is not let anything drag out too long. So take the reps and sets that are recommended and cut the sets in half. Keep the structure, keep the exercises, introduce them to these advanced level movements. But if you cut the sets down, what you'll do is you'll keep these kids engaged, moving from exercise to exercise, practicing movements, and they'll stay very engaged throughout the workout rather than dragging them out and getting them too tired during each exercise you'll find by the end of the workout sometimes these younger athletes you know don't really hang around all that long or in weeks to come they're going to lose a lot of that motivation another question i get a lot and again i'm going to preface the breakdown of the workout just with a few questions i get all the time Another one is, can I just leave K-bands on for the entire speed and agility workout in addition to my sports-specific training? And my advice is absolutely not. You have to realize that K-bands, like other speed and agility style equipment, is going to be a similar concept to your weight training. You can't just walk around with a squat rack or a squat bar on your back for an entire workout while you're trying to do other specific movements. It's the same thing with muscle fatigue and how it impacts your movements. You don't want to be doing sports-specific work. Say you're on the soccer field and you're really trying to work on corner kicks. Some coaches in the past I've communicated with have talked about how they have these for their team, and the entire team wears them for the entire practice. Now, I understand where the endurance and some of these conditioning principles could really be advantageous. If you put on the bands, I promise you, your heart rate goes up a lot quicker than normal. Anytime you move in them, your hips and your glutes and your quads are all burning depending on what movements you make in them. So the idea that if you leave them on for the entire time, I definitely understand how that would be a conditioning element of training. But if you truly want to improve your speed and agility, it has to be in a structured fashion where you increase muscle recruitment, increase the amount of tension throughout specific movements, and then allow it to rest. But the magic semi comes in when you unclip the resistance bands. Have you ever used a donut on a baseball bat? You swing it a couple times. It feels heavy. It's hard in your hands. It takes more grip. Everything is firing more. It requires more muscle recruitment. 
And then the moment you take the donut off the bat, it feels very light because you have full muscle recruitment. Everything's ready to move. Your back muscles are engaged. Your core's engaged. Your hips after a couple swings. Your grip is ready. Your shoulders. The same goes for K-bands. When you do these structured resisted sets followed by unresisted sets, you get to do an exercise with complete muscle activation. I suggest to high-level athletes to warm up with K-bands anytime they're going into competition. If you are a sprinter, a runner, the amount of muscle recruitment that you can get in a short amount of time just through generic dynamic warm-ups, it's an unbelievable feeling if you struggle to get loose. If you're somebody that takes a minute to break a sweat, takes a minute to find that full range of motion before competition, these can be very effective for that. But I don't want to get too sidetracked here. I just want to say that the K-bands themselves, you want to utilize them as a speed and agility strength training tool. Complete resisted sets, complete unresisted sets. During those unresisted sets, get your game face on and focus on being as explosive as possible because you will have the opportunity to train with complete muscle activation. And it's an insanely effective tool to build speed in that way. Can you wear K-bands the entire training session to build muscle? Uh, now you can, I did just kind of answered this a little bit, but uh, you can definitely wear them during your entire speed and agility session. I, however, have found much more effective results when you complete unresisted sets after your resisted sets. Now let's dive a little bit more in focused in the Speed 101 training program now. We've got a, an idea of the background of K-bands and how they can be incorporated. Now let's really take the walkthrough on Speed 101. Can you do Speed 101 every day? The answer is I would definitely not. Um, just like weight training. The only reason why I compare this stuff to weight training so much is because it's a common theme. You don't exactly train bench press every single day. You don't max out on squats every single day. You have to allow the body time to recover and then build muscle. That's the way all this stuff works. It's not much different in speed and agility training. One of the major components of truly improving your speed is the mind-body connection and your neurological system's ability to fire faster. That's what you're trying to train. So to do these things every day and do them at 80%, it's not going to have much of an impact on you. You got to be able to train at 100% intensity. So do not do speed 101 every single day. As you get into the workout now, let me pull open my sheet so I can stick with you. You'll see several exercises and this workout program should take you roughly about 40 to 50 minutes. If you're a little bit younger, remember my recommendation is to cut the sets in half. So you may find yourself about 20, 25 minutes in. But the first exercise is one of the most effective drills I have ever seen athletes do, and that is the K-bands wall drill. Now this drill has been utilized for sprinters for a really long time, but when we paired them up with K-bands, it really allows the exercise to shine even more because of the hip flexor development as well as the glute drive off the ground. Every time you're exchanging through this exercise, whether you're doing consistent sets like in the video with Speed 101, driving your knees up consistently for a short period of time, 10 to 12 seconds. Um, that is an effective method to drive off the ground with the bottom leg, glute activation, hamstring, and then hold the knee up is gonna be your hip flexor and quad. 
there's not really any other exercise that you can complete that is effective or as effective at targeting very specific movements. Take all the extra stuff out. We don't have to run around a cone. We don't have to tap a soccer ball, baseball. You're not incorporating the sport-specific movements in this. And not to mention, you also are taking the upper body out of the equation. As long as you're consistently training with that flat back, you more or less have taken everything out of the equation and completely focusing on hip drive and muscle activation in the lower half. And it really is one of the most effective tools you can build that glute activation and hip flexor. A couple key points is to make sure that you have a flat back. Younger athletes are going to struggle with this a little bit more. Anytime I'm training roughly about 12 and under, all of those kids are going to slightly arch their back. So you want to be sure that that's a stressor for the, your younger athletes. And then as they get a little bit older and they get to the third and fourth set where they're getting a little fatigued, you'll find that that becomes a little bit of a player as well. Something during the wall drill that is also something to, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to show my appreciation. Every time you like, subscribe, or even comment on a video, it definitely supports my work, and I just wanted to say thank you. Let's get back to the show. Very much keep in your mind is knee height is important. Again, the younger, weaker athletes are going to struggle with how much they want to raise their knees, and what you'll find is slowly the separation between the knee and the back leg, the front knee and the back leg becomes more of an issue with separation. So as I, as you're coaching, you want to make sure that you are focused on a flat back at a 45 degree angle. And then you want to see the separation of the front knee and the rear leg maintaining a consistent movement. As athletes fatigue, you'll find that there's a way that you can kind of push that back leg forward just a little bit when you bring it down. And then you raise the front knee, but more or less, you're almost not getting a true high knee because you're kind of babying that back leg. So you want to see consistent separation from the first set all the way to the last, driving the knees up as much as possible. The more that you can build that separation with that good posture, it's going to translate directly into sprint speed. Now, this is three to four resisted sets, followed by two to three unresisted sets. And again, this element is kind of the magic behind training with K-bands. Full muscle activation, building strength through the resisted sets, unclip the bands, and move in this optimal, complete muscle recruitment phase. You want to be as explosive as you can and really double down. Whether you're the athlete, this is when you have to personally think, I have to move as explosively as possible. If you're a coach, a dad working with this athlete, you want to make sure that at this moment you are focused and trying to get another round of, you know, some extra go here. This is an important part of the set. For your older athletes, three to four resisted, two to three unresisted, you can mess with this range a little bit. If you're new to the game, stick with the three and do two unresisted. If you're a little bit more seasoned and you've been doing this for a while, move up to the four and to the three. And this kind of correlates to all the exercises. When I talk to an athlete and they want to know, should I do six? Should I do eight sets? Uh, more, 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 more. Remember, more just like everything. If you eat too much, not a good thing. If you stay up too late, not enough sleep, too much social media, not a good thing. If you watch too much TV and 
not a good thing. If you don't, you know, there's just a lot of things in your life where you'll find that too much is definitely not a good thing. This is the same for training. If you're going to be doing these three to four resisted sets followed by two sets, two to three unresisted, there's no more room for more sets. We don't need more volume. You may need more resistance, but you don't need more volume. Let me give you an example. I've had uh, an exchange before with a dad working with like a 14-year-old son. Oh, I've been doing these for, you know, six months now. It's amazing. We've got great results. We've improved the speed. Uh, we were just kind of curious can we move the sets up? Should we be doing like six to eight sets now that we're here? And what I ask is always, what resistance level are you using? And nine times out of 10, you'll find an athlete utilizing something probably less than they should. You take a 16-year-old using the red bands. It's most likely too light. If they started there, that's great. But in six months, should we be doing eight sets? Or should we be doing three to four in the blue resistance bands? three to four in the green or the black, you know, there's, there's levels of resistance and that needs to be the focus more so than more volume. It's not going to be a benefit to double the sets and then lower the intensity. Speed training is all about moving as explosively as possible to make the brain operate quicker, be more explosive, faster muscle recruitment, and as well as building the muscle memory that you need in that moment. The more that you're utilizing speed training to work out in a intense fashion, the more that's going to translate to when you're in a game and you need that little extra, it's there. So always be sure that you add more resistance rather than extending the volume. It's not necessary and it can also almost be a negative thing for you down the road. Now, the second exercise is going to be a high knee drive, and we incorporate two different motions here. We're going to be the narrow knee as well as the wide knee, and the reason for that is as soon as you strap on K-bands, you're going to notice that it is very different the way it hits your hip flexor. Now, is running linearly going to necessarily need that wide knee? Not at all. It, it doesn't correlate quite so much. You'll feel that it's a, it's a different sensation. But imagine anything that requires agility, how much you're planting your leg and opening your hip to drive out. So is this going to be an effective exercise for all your linear movements? Most likely not the most effective, but the wide knee is great for change of direction. It hits the hip flexors in a little bit different fashion. So if you were to tilt the knee and want to explode there, we've been doing some training to make it ready for that. A good example would be a lineman coming off a turn, or I shouldn't say alignment, a running back trying to really move through the linebackers or get into the right pocket. You'll see that back leg completely extended out, the hip opened up a little bit, and that's that segment of what you're going to be getting out of a high knee. During this exercise, you have to keep an upright chest. Whenever you're utilizing K-bands, there's a tendency that when your hip flexors start burning, it's almost as if you shrink. Your top half comes a little bit lower, and what you're doing is you're kind of babying your hip flexor. Anytime that you see this as a dad, a coach, or even the athlete participating, the better you can sit with an upright position, the longer stretch you're going to get on your hip flexor. So make sure that you're standing with proper posture during these specific isolated exercises. If you allow your body to slump, you may slump in competition. You may have a shoulder down when running the football. You may drop your chest a little lower than normal trying to beat out 
um, you know, a bunt or in soccer trying to really beat the midfielder. You know, you watch film on this, you'll see guys bent over. They're moving through the dig phase. That's not exactly what you're doing in some of these isolated exercises. If you can take these isolated exercises and increase the amount of strength throughout the entire range of motion on the hip flexor, then that's going to translate to our sport. So work in an upright position and then move through these sets. We've got the narrow will be two resisted with two unresisted 10 to 12 seconds, really just pushing it as fast as you can. You don't need to count reps, just really pump for 10 to 12 seconds. And then you're going to rest for 30 to 35 seconds. These are a little bit of a faster pace, but our extended rest period will be in between these exercises. So imagine you're working to explode, 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 short break, explode, 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 short break longer restorations between exercises. Unclip the bands, walk around a little bit, give yourself two to five minutes, kind of depending on where you need to be, because we need to have the battery charged and ready to move into the next exercise with full intensity and focus. So don't extend it too much. We don't need to get into the eight to 10 mark. If you find yourself with unbelievably burning hip flexors and glutes the first or second time, maybe even within the first two weeks of completing this exercise, I would recommend you move down in resistance. You want to be able to get through a majority of the workout without being absolutely miserable. Now, don't get me wrong. By the third and the fourth set in any given exercise, you should be on fire. It's 10 to 12 seconds. Push through it and get that muscle recruitment and build some strength. But if you're in the blue bands and you're 13 years old, those are too strong, okay? We need to match the resistance levels with ability through full range of motion. This is a good example. If you're doing the wall drill or this high knee exercise, and you find that it's a struggle to get the knees up towards your belt, the resistance level is most likely too strong. Without training through full range of motion, you're going to hinder your results. It's a good idea to always increase resistance, but it's not increase the resistance on what you can handle for the most minimal movement. It's what you can handle through full range of motion. So if you're training your young athlete and you're watching them do these exercises and you find that maybe after, you know, 25 to 30% of the workout, we're really starting to fade in form. We're really starting to the knees don't come as high, the top half sagging a little bit, shoulders leaning forward, their baby and their hip flexors, our restorations are turning into a minute and a half, two minutes in between sets because they're extremely exhausted. That's when it's time to really backtrack and move your resistance down. You may be two or three levels up. Remember with K-bands, there's nine levels of resistance. So if you started at greens and you find that you went down one and you're still getting the same result, move down. Now remember, it is resistance work. Is there ever a time when you're doing back squats where your legs don't burn? Most likely not. Don't get the burn side of stuff in the way of truly building muscle with the proper resistance. So it's a bit of a happy medium. Don't let burn be the guide. Let range of motion and explosiveness be the guide. If the knees aren't coming up high enough, it's too much resistance. If towards the end of the exercises by three and four, it starts to fade, well, you're probably in the right spot. Move it down to three sets and you probably have the right range. Say our third exercise is going to be the speed skaters. This is also tops the charts of some of the best exercises you can do more for agility than just linear speed. 
when you have K-bands on and you get in an athletic stance and you jump from side to side, your glutes and your hips are going to burn like you've never felt before. You've Have you ever seen the sliders where it kind of mimics ice almost? It's a little bit of a slick surface. You can wear socks or the booties and you slide from side to side. If you've ever been on one of those, you'll notice that you get a slight burn doing this movement. It's just simply going to happen from stabilizing, sliding, and catching. But if when you put resistance bands around your knees, the amount of burn that you get in your glutes and your hips for someone that has never done it before, it's pretty intense. Uh, I think glute walks are standard procedure across all athletic training. And that's where you take a mini band around your knees, you get a good athletic stance, and you take small little steps, leaving your feet apart, keeping that good natural distance, you'll get a lot of glute activation. The reason you want to do this is the glutes are very important to prevent knee injuries. They stabilize the knee from internal rotation. So the stronger our glutes are, the more drive we can get off the ground for linear speed, the more drive we can change direction because it enables your hips to move better. And then it also stabilizes the knee to where any kind of tweak, it really has enough muscle to stabilize that and give ourselves the best opportunity to not get injured. So it's a great exercise to do. But when you move this into a speed skater world, let me tell you, it takes it up a notch. The glute walk burns, but do a speed skater with it and you'll definitely feel the difference. Now, just like the glute walks, the speed skaters are going to be a similar style muscle recruitment, but very different. We're going to incorporate an explosive jump from side to side, but we want to catch and stabilize. The stability element of this specific exercise is something that oftentimes is overlooked. We want to rush back and forth and get over there as fast as we can. But what you'll find is we really do need to incorporate sets that stabilize the joints and practice that muscle memory of explosion, stabilize, explosion, stabilize. More times that we can touch this in a training session, it's always going to be better to prevent injuries down the road. So when you do these speed skaters, you're going to be as explosive as possible. Get out as far as you can stabilize the joint, and then do it again. And you'll really feel uh, a very big difference. <clears throat> now, after you move through the speed skaters, you're going to do uh, lateral unders. And what that is, is you get your legs in a nice, similar to the glute walks, a good athletic stance, a little bit wider, just wide enough to where you can get under, say, imagine like a fence post, or you're getting under a tree limb. You want to be able to get wide enough to where you can get into your hips on the squat. If you're too narrow, you're just going to load your knees, and that's not really what we're looking for. We're trying to fire the glutes and the hips. So get yourself in a little bit extended past shoulder width stance to where you can get under each side. There's a couple forms of this that you can do. One is where you actually take a step and it's more of a lunge process. And the other would be just maintaining your ground, get under and over, under and over. And both of these can be a very effective method. And you could rotate those or utilize either method during this portion of the exercise. Younger athletes are going to struggle with this a bit because they're going to allow their knees to really slide in. Notice when athletes move, if they're weak, they always let something sag to take the strain off of it. So when you get stacked up on the lunge, 
you want to make sure that when you get to the other leg, we're not letting things kind of bend inwards. You're trying to be strong and stable. So if you find that when you're doing the step under and they're really letting their back leg sag an awful lot just due to weakness, you may want to use the step before where it's just simply legs nice and wide. We don't move our feet. You go under the pole, under the pole, dropping in the hips, not just the back. It's not just a back movement. It's down in your hips, down in your hips. So utilize that Speed 101 video. Um, it's on YouTube. It's on the website. Uh, you can go to kbandstraining.com slash download, and you could download it yourself. It's free. You just download the workout and fast forward to it, and you can see exactly what I'm talking about or any of these exercises. If you want to put it on the background during this discussion, uh, I would highly advise it just so that you can hear the walkthrough and, and then turn that video on. I'm pretty specific in the workout as well with reps and sets and things you need to be watching for. But over the years, like I said, I'm doing this walkthrough because over the years I have had many, many, many questions about the Speed 101 program because it is so effective. Now, at the end of your speed training here, we haven't done anything too crazy. Remember, this is a workout that I wanted people to be able to stuff into their training as they're doing their normal sport. So imagine if you're playing baseball and you've got practice every single day. There's only so much time in the week where you can do this. So when you look at Speed 101 and you think there's five or six, seven exercises and that's it, you're right. It's a 45-minute to an hour workout for advanced athletes. It's a 30-minute workout for someone that's in their youth. And they can do this during the week while they have practice and all those other kinds of things. That's the key. I don't want to overtrain anyone. I don't want to give you a program that you can't utilize during the season because it takes two hours to complete, requires all these different tools. This is something you can stick right in the middle of your in-season training extend some of the strength levels, more resistance in the off season. So you can, you know, build some strength. But anyway, just a side tangent, let's get to the last exercise is going to be the core circuit. Speed and agility training should always incorporate the core because that is what translates to explosiveness, whether you're running or anything else. There's not an athlete out there that's at the elite level that does not have a strong core. So through this last round, you're going to go through a bit of a circuit. And it's going to be an explosive movements followed by a little touch of endurance, but a lot of core training. You'll see through the segment at the end, it's a dynamic lunge where you take a reverse lunge, then you jump up and explode with your knee. There's your explosive movement. Next, you're going to do bicycles, and then you're going to do unders and climbers. And what unders are is you'll do a small sequence of, you know, just a normal mountain climber, and then you're going to drive your body under similar to that push up under a pole method, and then come back right back to the climbers. And then you'll finally finish with a scissor. Now there's two different ways that you can do a scissor with K bands. One is where you keep your legs really close together and you get slack in the bands every single time. The other is to add a little bit of separation in your legs. If you move as if there was a, a BOSU ball in between your legs and you do the scissor action with a separated foot position, you'll find that your hip flexors and your quads are going to be on absolute fire. And again, that's what we're looking to build. We want to build stronger hip flexors for sprinting, stronger quads, glutes, hamstrings, the works. That's what we're focused on. So when you move through that circuit, you're going to definitely feel fatigue factor being a major element. You can extend your rest period slightly if you really need to. But again, we are trying to get in the trenches here a little bit with endurance and 
you're going to feel a lot more of a burn during that set this segment, and that's fine. We're moving out of the speed phase here. We're kind of building a little bit more of that core conditioning. So don't be afraid to move into some of the, you know, get in the trenches, so to speak. You know, it's going to burn no matter what you do, and that's what we're going for. Don't think you need to lighten up the resistance. You know, grind through it, maintain good form, and, and try to build muscle here. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, I think the only other advice that uh, I get asked often, how do I incorporate speed 101 during the week being in season and or out of season? And the answer is it's a little bit different. So speed 101 should be completed three times a week. That's what the protocol is. If you're in season and you have practices every single day, it's, it's not uncommon to move this down to two days a week, okay? And if you have a very heavy workload, your coaches are doing speed and agility and things of that nature, we do not need to do this three times a week. This should complement where you are in the season. So add it to your training if you've got an off day somewhere in there and don't actually need an off day. Did you have a baseball game on Sunday and you feel pretty good and it's a Monday, well, throw it in on a Monday. You know, get get in there and get some work in. If you've just been through a, a bender where you've got three back-to-back training sessions, your young athlete lifted on a Monday, had speed work on Tuesday, and they have an off day on Wednesday, you need to be real familiar with how that athlete feels and make sure that, you know, maybe they truly need an off day. If they need an off day, give it to them. So in season, it's going to be pick and choose. Make sure that you you can do one to two times a week. That's fine. Make sure they have enough recovery time. Off-season training, that's when you're going to focus on trying to get this thing three days a week and put it in places where they get a little bit of rest in between. Now, when you order K-Bands, there's a couple workouts that you get. It's the Speed 101, Agility FX, as well as 123 Reaction Pro. I get asked very often, how do you juggle these all, you know, are you doing these every single day? And my answer is to always rotate the Speed 101 and Agility FX concept. So that is about a 40 to 45 minute workout for most athletes. You complete Speed 101, Agility FX, whichever one you want on say a Monday. Tuesday, you might want run one, two, three Reaction Pro, or you can always let me, let me organize it a little bit easier. So say we're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday and make this very simple. Then you would say Speed 101 on Monday, Agility FX on Wednesday, Speed 101 on Friday, and then change that order the following week. Agility FX, I'll do a walkthrough video on Agility FX, but it's more of an agility-based training program rather than all that hip flexor linear work that we were doing early in the Speed 101. So as you move through these two, you're going to get completely different types of training in those workouts. Now, the one, two, three reaction pro, I like to pair up with those. So you're still getting rest days. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you might roll through one, two, three reaction pro before those longer training sessions. I find that to be the most effective round, or you can also do the latter training on say a Saturday or Sunday as a bit of a buffer. That's always my suggestions, but there are more difficult training programs that I've put together. If you go to that kbandstraining.com slash download, you'll find access to the performance series. That's an eight-week training program that anybody can have. You guys can download it at any time. It has breakdown sheets with reps and sets, but it's a little bit more extensive. There's way more videos, way more workouts. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. 
Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. I'd really appreciate if you'd like the video, if you found value in it and subscribe to the channel, clicking that notification bell. So you also receive notifications for future videos that could help you out as well. If you have any questions about the content, leave a comment below and I'll be sure to interact with you as quickly as possible there. I've created a website called kbandstraining.com in 2010. We've been around for a long time with high quality resistance bands and durable equipment. I also have provided nearly 1100 drills and videos for fitness training and athlete performance for youth athletes. So support my work. If you enjoy the content and you'd like me to continue doing what I'm doing, I would love the support. Thanks a lot for listening.